Welcome to September and welcome to Kenny and the Coaches. We're right in the middle of fast pitch football and cross country seasons here in the great state of Oklahoma. But on this episode, we're going to talk a little basketball. One of the most successful girls basketball coaches in state history. He's done something no one in the history of girls basketball in the state has ever done. And we'll get into that. Here's my conversation with ceiling lady wildcat coach, Brady Hamer. Coach, thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your summer to visit with me a little bit. Yes, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. No problem. Now, Coach, first off, I know it's been a little while, but congratulations on yet another state championship. Does hearing state champion coach Brady Hamer ever get old? Oh, no. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely uh, it's been exciting. Yeah. Now, what is it about the Sealing Sealing Girls program? I mean, how have you guys, how, how have you and your girls not only been consistently winning state championships, but more often than not, I mean, you guys are totally dominating the field. How, what is it about your program that kind of has been so dominant the last, oh, six, eight years? Well, um, I think there's lots of things that contribute. Um, I think number one, it starts with uh, we've got an extremely athletic um group of girls that are coming through um but not only are they athletic but they're committed um to to trying to be the best and along with their parents and families and, and then also a school and a community that kind of does the same thing and so all those things kind of combine together just um give you an opportunity to continue to to be good yeah yeah now six state championships in eight years Four in a row. That's something that's never been done in Oklahoma high school girls basketball history. Is that, has that kind of sunk in yet? That that's something that you've you and your girls have accomplished. Yeah, you know, um, um, from I guess sixteen to nineteen, when those girls won the four in a row, right there. Um, I think during the time it was happening, it really didn't think it. You just didn't seem like you had time to think about it. Um, yeah. Um, since then, you know, you kind of see that that it was just. A special group of kids and a, um, a special group of families like I mentioned um, mm-hmm. lots of girls in there that um, had committed hours and hours of their life since they were very very young um, to basketball and so whenever they were coming up through the years you could just kind of see it happening and they continued to love it and and so just their commitment level um, was so special and so yeah from that standpoint it's starting to, to sink in but it also um, I think it's shown our younger girls, the girls we got now, mm-hmm. um, what type of commitment it takes. You know, they a lot of our girls now were managers on those teams. Um, mm-hmm. They had older sisters that were on those teams, and so so they witnessed it and got to be a part of it. And so I think it just really has influenced them through their careers as well to to see what they've done, the commitment that they've put into it. Yeah. Now you kind of mentioned it a little bit. Talk a little bit about the ceiling community and how supportive they are, not just to girls basketball but I mean you guys you seem to be in the mix in just about every sport kind of talk about the the community support a little bit yeah definitely um I've been here I guess this would be my 22nd year um they they were that way even before I got here you know um it was a big rival I grew up just down the road at Thomas and that was one of our biggest rivals especially in football and so we we knew how much they supported athletics how much they supported their school system Mm-hmm. And so it, it is a big deal um, to to go play games um, at home, especially, but even on the road, 
you go on the road and you've got a ton of fans there and, and a lot of times it's not even uh, people that have kids you know uh, or grandkids or whatever they're just fans and, and love to be there so from that standpoint they uh, they support our uh, athletic programs really good yeah now i read somewhere that you graduated no one from last year's team is that correct yeah, we didn't have any seniors. Wow. So going in a lot like your previous years, you and your girls have that target on your back. How have you consistently refocused your girls on the next season? Well, it can be hard. Um, you, you brought up a good point. You do feel like you're taking everybody's best shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody wants to beat the defending state champion. And so we, we constantly talk about that, I think, in practice of just are you going to continue to get better or are you going to – satisfied and um, our girls have found ways I mean it's going to be difficult I know at times this year to to keep your uh, same same uh, approach you know to getting better about practice time you know and so Mm -hmm. I think it's um, I think it's helped and but also I I know these girls um, they they kind of just got where they expect to win and so Mm -hmm. You know, going to a game, I mean, it doesn't matter who we're playing, whether it's a, a holiday tournament, we're playing 5A, 6 teams, whatever, they just kind of they think they're going to win when they go in. And it's been a good, good thing for them. Yeah, you know, and that's something I've always said about uh, kids. I mean, that's, that's what they are. I mean, they're, you know, 15 to 18-year-old kids. Anytime that I've been at a program and we've played another kind of powerhouse program or just anybody in general, I've always looked at it as, these are other kids that we're playing against, you know. It's not like we're playing the the ninety the ninety six Bulls or, or something like that. So I mean, anything can happen in a high school basketball game, you know. I mean, I know there's going to be better athletes, blah blah blah, but ultimately it's a team game. And if you're the better team and you don't play intimidated, a lot of times you're going to have a shot. Oh, no doubt. I think you're exactly right on that. Um, even like you said, when you play a six A 6A or five A team, I know mm-hmm. they. They may have a, a bigger, stronger athletes at time, um, but like you said, it is a team game, and and I think our girls realize and know that. And, uh, and like I said, they've they've just done it for so many years um, that it just doesn't seem to to phase them on that. And I just think they uh, they go into it like I said with a mindset that they're supposed to win. Yeah, now, that's something I always I, I try to ask a lot of coaches about their their summer pride because you said you've been coaching for twenty plus years, so I'm. You've seen kind of the change in the emphasis on kind of doing summer workouts, doing, going to summer camps, playing AAU ball. How much um, emphasis do you put on your girls staying kind of hooked up over the summer? Yeah, um, I think it is a, a really big deal, and it's becoming more and more important, like you said. Um, uh, we spend the first, oh, three to four weeks every year playing our summer leagues and team camps. Um, that we go to and then we usually give them a two to three week break mm-hmm. and especially now with the dead week works out great the end of June and then through the dead week you could, they kind of have some time off and I, I think it's very important to go do that spend time with families and do that but, but when we come back from dead week um, we now have a, a strength and conditioning guy um, that is actually leaving us in a couple of weeks but uh, he has been great and uh, so we do that four mornings uh, a week after mm-hmm. dead week until school starts we come up and he does a strength and conditioning program with him that is just incredible and it is tough on our kids but i think it's a very very important thing for uh keeping the not just the physical part of it, but also the mental part of just 
for the grind of fighting through and when it's not easy. And so it just keeps that going for them. You know, and I think that that's something that I think a lot more schools, I think that they're starting to, even smaller schools are starting to kind of lean more towards getting an actual strength and conditioning coach. And I, I didn't put much stock into that because, you know, I've always been at small schools. And, you know, us coaches just kind of did that on top of our other responsibilities that we had, you know, getting ready for this season or that season. But it is so nice to have someone that is just dedicated to strength and conditioning because they, I mean, those guys that do that stuff, I mean, I'm, we're, we're going through our summer workouts now and just that guy that, that we have uh, here at Velma that uh, is kind of in charge of our strength and conditioning, that guy, I'm learning stuff from him, you know, so it's, it's just kind of – I think that's a nice thing, and I think a lot more people, if they would invest in that in their programs, actual bring, actually bringing in a strength and conditioning coach, it would uh, – it, it proves the, the, the benefits will way outweigh you trying to come up with workouts on your own. Oh, uh, definitely. And, you know, being – I consider so I guess an older coach now, um, things have changed in that. Oh, and yeah. uh, <laughs> our new guy that we've had the last couple of years um, – emphasis do you put on preseason goals for your for your teams I know the ultimate goal is to win the gold ball but you know I, I, I've kind of gone through this question with other coaches as well kind of do you have kind of you know game by game goals or do you have like overall big goals for your team or do you do both well we do a little bit of both um our girls have done it for many years now I, I kind of it's usually the, the seniors kind of lead them through making goals team goals for the year that they, uh, they that they kind of design and make a, a big sheet that we post in everybody's locker and um, and yeah definitely number one is you want to win a state championship but I think there's lots of little things you know uh, in in girls sports probably especially sometimes more than others you know I, our girls usually have I'm trying to think of some of the things they put on there but you know that some of them put no drama or no uh, yeah. you know, get along with your teammates there's lots of little things out a season that you learn to do is um, I think you learn to respect your your teammates and if you don't learn to respect them a little bit then there can be constant problems and so I think you develop that kind of through your preseason workout mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. type of thing uh, but but I don't know that we have anything specific set up for that besides you know they always put at the top they want to win a state championship so yeah is that something that you've always done because whenever I first started coaching I mean I was uh, didn't know anything you know, just like none of us do when we first start coaching. We think we know everything, but we don't. But I never really, you know, I just went straight into practice. And But, I mean, I had boys, too, so it's a little bit different. But, yep. I mean, is that something that you've always done with those goals? Cause that's something that I kind of developed over time. I heard of other people doing it. I was like, oh, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 
the guy I was assistant to, um, he did some very similar things. And then also my dad coached for years. And so I watched some of the stuff that he had done. And, and I think I've just kind of, kind of picked that up from what they had done. And then we've kind of, it's changed throughout the years. You know, the girls have different ideas on what the goals should be and how they present them. And mm-hmm. so it's definitely changed and evolved through the years. But um, it's something I learned from other coaches. Yeah. Now, you kind of mentioned your your dad being a coach. Who were some of the coaches or just people in your life that had an impact on you becoming a coach? Yeah, um, I had um, three great um, high school coaches. Um, my football coach was Mike Tyson at Thomas, and um, mm, the basketball okay. coach was Tim Petrie. And then we also had Kevin Gore as our uh, baseball coach. And so I had three really good ones. That, that helped influence that, but probably the most um, was my dad being a the high school girls coach there at Thomas for many years, and then Clinton and in different places. And um, I learned just so much from him. Um, I think as I got into college, more than that, more than anything else, uh, I got to go with him on lots of scouting trips mm-hmm. and uh, road trips to whether it was state tournament meetings, the different things that I really started thinking then. I mean, this is what I want to do. And so I think that he probably influenced me the most. Mm-hmm. What is something that you wish you would have known as a young coach that you know now? Well, I mean, you, you think of lots of things throughout the years that you make mistakes on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and one, I, I can think back to this deal. I, uh, <laughs> I played basketball in college at Southwestern and and there's one thing, we had such long, um, grinding practices um, that it just completely wore you out. And mm-hmm. uh, I swore, you know, if I coach someday, I'm never going to do that. And and whenever I got here to ceiling, um, some of those girls that, that played for me in the early years probably remember, man, we had three-hour and three-and-a-half-hour practices that were <laughs> grinding. And, yeah. and I thought that's what I had to do. And, and, and so as time went on, too, I realized it's probably not quite as important uh, the length as much as it is the, the quality of those practice times. And you can shorten the practice up and you can get the same amount done in a shorter time. And I think that makes it – I do think it makes it better for the kids. And uh, yeah. that's one thing I think I did definitely mess up on once younger coach was thinking I had to practice a long time mm-hmm. for our kids to be good. And so we've really shortened that up and just tried to, like I said, make it constant and be going and going and going and get as much out of our time we can. And I think it, I think it helped. I think that's something I've learned through the years. Yeah. Yeah, especially like anymore with like like we were kind of talking about with it's almost sports is almost nonstop for high school kids. You know, I mean, you you see you got the summers off, but you really don't anymore. You get like one week off, like <laughs> like what you were talking about. Most and most kids that I, I've I've kind of come to believe this, most kids that are invested in being a good teammate and being a good player and being a part of a good team, they never turn it off. You know, no matter what what sport it is or constantly thinking about that sport. So it's, you know, anytime, yeah, that, and you know, those, those practice practice can be grinding, especially if you let them go too long. And usually, you know, you get done what you got to get done and then they'll, they'll, they'll hang on to it and they'll keep thinking about it when they go home, you know? Yep. No, it's definitely true. I, you talk about year round, um, the athletes now that play multiple sports, it, it really, they really never get a break. Um, mm-hmm. Our girls, we talked about that last year a lot. They, most of them play fast pitch softball, so they start the 
gear out and fast pitch. And then as soon as they finish, you know, it's usually into October. So we start basketball practice, mm-hmm. go through our scrimmages. And then as soon as basketball's over, um, we've had a good track group lately too. They, they, we go right into track and they never get a break. And then as soon as track's over, school's out and we start our summer basketball. And, uh, <laughs> it is, it is a grind. Um, I think that, uh, I think they do need a break somewhere in there. Um, but mm-hmm. like you said, everybody's pushing harder and harder these days to, uh, to improve. And so it's, it's definitely a grind for the kids. Yeah. What do you think of the new, the five foul double bonus rule? <laughs> we've, we've talked a lot about that. I, I think, I think in the long run, we're going to like it. I think it is going to be different. Um, I think that, uh, you know, at the end of game situation, if you are down, you used to have those three one-on-one situations where you might be back in the game pretty quick. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're playing, if you're playing somebody pretty good and they're shooting two free throws every time, I think that's going to be it's going to be difficult to beat a good team that way. And so I think it's going to change some things. I think there's going to be some different strategies that, yeah. that we'll learn and pick up. You know, colleges women have been doing that for a while. Yeah. So I think I think we'll learn from it as we go along. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, when I first saw that rule or the the little newsletter that came out saying that was a rule, I was kind of like, why? I mean, what's the big, why this? You know, of all the things to change up, why this? And I, the only thing that I wish about it, because to me, whenever it's late game situations and stuff like that, like what you were talking about, and it's one and ones, those are more exciting, you know, because and plus that puts pressure on the kids shooting a free throw, you know. I mean, if you need to make those two free throws – you know, you've got to make the first one. I just, I wish they would have made it one and ones instead of double bonuses right away. That's the only thing. But I, I understand too. I, I, I'd heard someone say that they were trying to reduce injuries on free throws, but I don't know about you, but I've not seen an injury on a one and one <laughs> attempt. But that's that's me. You know? No, no, I know. I, it, it was. I don't, I'm not sure what the design is for, but uh, but like I said, it, it will change the game. I think. Yeah, and a lot of it too. I kind of thought, well, they're giving us this, so we don't talk about the shot clock. <laughs> Give us something else to talk <laughs> and about. And there may be some truth to that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now, what is something that you you hope your players remember about you when you're retired, and or they or they're graduated and they're not playing for you anymore? Well, um, <laughs> some of the players that are former players that have graduated talk a lot about. Um, being on time, we we try to stress being early everywhere we go, so we never late. And uh, we talk a lot about that. I hope that's something that they can take with being responsible, being committed to to doing what they're supposed to do. I, I think that's um, the, some of the important things um, the sports bring to our kids and what they can carry on and use later in life is, yes. is the fact of just being a responsible, committed to your team and your teammates and learning to to get along with teammates. Um, I think those are all important things that they will, uh, they'll use later on, whether it's in their job or their families. Um, I think that's a, a big deal. And I hope that's something that they take from our program. Absolutely. Now, before we get to my big three questions at the end, I got one last question on this one. Finish out this sentence. The ceiling Lady Wildcats win another gold ball this season if – Um, <laughs> if they, number one, got to stay healthy and, mm-hmm. and got to stay, um, together as a team. There you go. That's a good one. 
All right, now I have these big three questions that I asked. They're a little bit more lighthearted and a little off the wall. Okay, first question. What is something people would be surprised to hear that Brady Hamer is bad at? Um, <laughs> uh, I would say... the place I was at before our head coach he would write our you know just for the assistant coaches to know what our kind of breakdown of our practice was and there would be we would come in come in the last hour and look up there and none of us none of the uh, none of the other assistant coaches could read what he had up there and we'd always give him heck about it (laughs) we'd always give him heck about it and he's like you can't tell what that says like uh no I don't know if anyone in any country speaking any language (laughs) could understand what that means so I I I feel you on that one if you number two if you could visit with any athlete or coach to pick their brain past or present who would it be I would say uh, John Wooden, probably. Mm, um, I've read one. several books um, of his, and then and, uh, a former coach that I was assistant to talked a lot about him, and so I, I got into that and got to read the books, and I just think he is a, he was a great, great leader, um, not just in what they did in sports, but also, like you said, what, what things in life that his players um, carry on. I've always kind of thought that, that Coach Wooden is like the most – I mean, he's he's famous and everybody talks about how great he is, but I always think he was underrated for what he was able to do. I mean, you yeah, always kind definitely. of hear about him, but you always hear about the newer, the younger guys. And, but, man, he was – I think he was the original GOAT, you know. Yep. No, I don't think there's any doubt. Okay, final question. You go to your to the local ceiling pizza shack or whatever it is you have there. And on the menu is the Brady Hamer pizza. What's on it? I need to know the toppings, the sauce, and the type of crust. <laughs> well, no, I, we have a place called Bezos uh, oh, okay. here in town's Italian place. And uh, I usually get the uh, Supreme pizza with a cauliflower crust, and uh, it's a pretty good deal. Oh, man. Mm. Is, it, is the cauliflower crust, uh, does it taste like regular crust? Yeah, it really does. I, I can't tell a lot of difference. It's really good. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'll, I have to take your word for that one. I don't, that sounds a little that sounds a little sketchy <laughs> to me. Well, Coach, I just want to say thank you again for doing this. Uh, you already have a Hall of Fame career. I mean, you're setting records, and you have a powerhouse of a program there in Sealing America. I would say good luck to you this season, but I don't think luck really applies to what you have going there. But thanks again for doing this, Coach. Well, 
Thanks to Coach Hamer for being on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. A new episode comes out every Sunday at 10 a.m. on your favorite podcasting site. And also, every Wednesday at noon on the Kenny and the Coaches Facebook page is Not So Instant Replay. You can check out the official Kenny and the Coaches website in the description. And if you're on Twitter, just search at Kenny Coaches. And don't forget, that's K-E-N-N-E-Y and the Coaches. Until next time.